listening to Michael Vincent. Right on. NFL Draft was last night. Did you watch it? You know, I didn't, but uh, I was really, uh, I was good to, I was excited to see Burroughs and Young and uh, Akuda go, you know, basically three Ohio State guys. I mean, you know, I wish Burroughs would have hung out for a couple more years at Ohio State, but, yeah, you know. It wasn't meant to be. <laughs> I, you know, I was, uh, I, was I was impressed that they were able to pull that off, though, because they're going to all the different draft picks house. So they had to have 50, 100 different Skype streams going once. Uh, Jonathan Smith in production, he shared on our general Slack a, a picture of their control probe. And it was like a it was like a NASA terminal or something. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And one of the, the funny things about it last night was there was clearly a delay with the draft picks feed. So they would get selected and then they would cut to the draft picks house. But it was pretty obvious, like the draft pick didn't know that they were selected yet because they're just sitting on the couch, like all anxious and bored, you know, playing with their cell phones and everything. (laughs) And then like, then they would have to cut back like 10 minutes later and then show them celebrating. But it was kind of, it was very comical in a way. I kind of feel bad for the guys too. I mean, in light of everything going on in the world, but I just feel bad in the sense that like you're a draft pick, you know, you, you're waiting for this moment all your life and then you're just kind of, you know, doing it with uh, your third uncle on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> they probably had to cut away from the uh, initial reaction for some of the drafts, right? I mean, it picked uh, Timothy Dooner is picked by the Cleveland Browns, you know, and your immediate reaction is like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you, you, that, you might get a few people angry. By the way, we got the uh, we got the comments up right here on the LinkedIn. And Chris Jolly says, happy Friday, everyone. Loving the attire, dude and Dooner. Mike Willis says, hey, Kevin, OH from a loyal Buckeye. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope White says, I got to give out an I.O. back to that one. You do? I-O. Okay. <laughs> well, Hope White, actually, she'll be on the show in just a little bit after we get through some of the news over here and do a couple of these reads. Excited to talk to her. She's got a tremendous amount of experience in the retail supply chain. She's CEO of HD White Express now. She'll she'll fill us all in on how that how that supply chain is reacting in a time like this. Yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. We're gonna deep uh, dive into that about the battle for dollars in a bottoming spot market, right? Yeah, truckers versus truckers versus uh, brokers, et cetera. But first, Dooner, you know what time it is, brother? Wow, this sounds horrible on Dooner's end. Mike will be ready in case Dooner's call cuts out. Oh, that's Emily's Zink. Okay, I hope you guys can uh, can hear. Okay, <laughs> uh, Patrick Johnson thought this was called Freight Waves, not ESPN. Yes, Patrick Johnson, enjoy the show. <laughs> All right, this show is brought to you by Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay partners with brokers and shippers to process carrier payments with nearly 80,000 carriers paid. Triumph Pay provides a simple solution for your carriers to manage their payments in one place. With Triumph Pay, carriers can upload and submit paperwork, manage their payments, and connect to brokers directly from anywhere. To learn more, tell them, dude. Go to triumphpay.com now, Dooner. Well, Get the and, music, brother. Well, and just to say, George Barry, he says the topic is a hot one, and... Russ Damien, he says, good morning, everyone. Hope you are all well and staying safe. Yeah, we're trying to over here. Just managing uh, managing the game. Yeah, right on. All right, so if you've been anywhere online, you've talked to any truckers, you've talked to any brokers, you have your ear to the train tracks at all in supply chain, you know that there's a, a budding war going on right now between truckers and brokers over spot rates, who's responsible. We're going to dive inside a little bit, but I this is a story that is up on FreightWaves.com. Very important to put in context to all this. It's Landstar. They report that there's a 20 to 30% drop in dispatch loads during April. 
On the uh, on the first quarter 2020 earnings call, Landstar Systems Inc. President and CEO Jim Gatoni, he said that dispatch volumes in April are running 20 to 30 percent lower year over year for the truck broker. During the first 12 weeks of the quarter, volumes were about 5 percent below 2019 levels on average, even moving into positive ter- territory. However, the final week saw this 14 percent decline as shelter in place mandates spread and automotive OEMs closed. Management said that the current volume level down that 20 to 30 percent could hold into May and possibly even longer. Wow, that's unbelievable. And on the call, you know, Ghani, he also said that the current environment was nothing like the company has ever seen before, obviously, right? I think a lot of companies are, are seeing the exact same thing. Uh, but they said they could see their earnings per share of 70 uh, cents to 85 cents during the second quarter if revenue remained 20 to 30 percent lower year over year, if it remains that way. And they highlighted the resiliency, you know, of the company's ability to, ver- to control variable cost structure, uh, you know, where most expenses in the, in the largest purchase, purchase transportation and agent commission, you know, they move in lockstep with the volumes and the, and the revenue dinner. So, yeah, I mean, and that's why we, we let off with this story because we're going to be talking a lot about rates today and uh, volumes drive rates. Salomon on Facebook, he said that rates are down in 80s levels. Well, volumes aren't so great either. Nicole Nicolet says, happy Friday, Dooner and company. Uh, in comparison, in comparison to dry van demand, the company is seeing slightly worse demand in the flatbed market, which are heavily tied to industrial demand for auto. Right? We've been talking about this plenty building yeah. products and metals. Actually, I heard industrial production is down. I think it was fourteen point four percent. I just read before we went on air. Uh, typically, automotive related freight accounts for eight to ten percent of what Landstar's revenue is. The sector only accounts for uh, the oil sector only accounts for two percent of the company's earnings. Gatoni said that they were already seeing idled equipment in the market, and he expects to see even more trucks parked in both the flatbed and dry van markets until equilibrium is reached. Earlier in the week, many of you saw this: a bunch of independent truck drivers staged a rally along a Houston freeway to protest this low pay that we've been seeing. The drivers displayed large banners saying that they're the resistance, uh, honest prices on honest loads, uh, fair fees from insurance company, broker regulations. So uh, a lot of pushback going on right now for the driver community. Yeah, there absolutely is, Dooner, you know, and and I can understand the frustrations and and many do, including the including the brokers see their frustrations. Right. I mean, it's not. The, the brokers aren't still getting paid, you know, two dollars a mile. They're getting paid a buck a, m- a mile to go find this this capacity. So it, it, it's the the contraction is on both sides. The 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 brokers are seeing their margins contract as well. So, uh, I mean, it's all over the board. But you can certainly see their frustrations. And you know, if if we look at some uh, one of our indices, it can shed some light a little bit on 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 the different load boards. And you're seeing shippers right now. Uh, they're an extreme power position, right? It wasn't too long ago that the actual, you know, just last month, the carrier was, I mean, I think the the uh, DHL supply chain pricing power index was in favor of the carrier. I think it was like at a 65. This week it's at a 15, which puts it towards the shippers. Yeah. Right? Yep. And last week it was at a 25, uh, and the three month, but the three month outlook is is at a fifty dooner, which is which is interesting. So uh, three month outlook is 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 calling it even as as we start to come out of this. Yeah, this index it, it also if you're not familiar with it, it uses a bunch of data from from sonar and industry market data to decide who's really in a pricing position. Nobody's shocked that this is down at fifteen. I mean, we wouldn't be yeah, doing an no. episode with this title. If everybody was in a happy place right now, but truckers are really seeing loads cost per mile that is below their cost of operation. And it's it's a big struggle 
for all of them, freight volumes have been horizontal for more than 10 days. Some sectors of the economy are beginning to reopen, but the problem is that the businesses that do move freight, not as quickly. Capacity is still extremely loose and carriers are accepting almost all contract freight. Spot rates have plummeted in reaction to falling volumes, and there is no indication that this will rebound anytime soon. Well, maybe. We'll get into that if there's a little bit of an indication, because there was a bright spot I saw this morning. But another 4 million Americans, as we know, actually 4.4 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits, bringing the total to one-fifth of all working Americans currently unemployed. So this is the right thing. It's not like it's happening in a vacuum. I mean, there is a pandemic going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a reason that this happened, and the extreme level of it is the sudden nature of it and the sudden cause uh, cutoff of everything. It's not this slow decline, and and unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to have this sudden. Now we're all back online, right? The reopening of service industries will will definitely have some whip, some bit of a positive for for. Uh, you know, for the freight volumes, but not nearly as significant as when industrial manufacturing comes online, right? And when you're looking at those volumes dropping and saying, well, pricing is dropping, the issue is is volumes dropping, right? But rejections are at all-time low. Broke below three are, are tender rejections that we that we track on 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 sonar are all-time low. They we went below below three, and we're kind of looking for how low can that possibly go? It can't go past zero. Crystal Lubin says, are the truckers assuming if they went direct to a shipper, they would pay more? This isn't a broker created problem. All contribute. And she's pretty much right in a lot of ways, because volumes are really what dictate rates. Right. And when when uh, the volume, when prices are this low, of course, people are going to go chasing spot market rates and they're low. And then there's always going to be the truckers out there that are are willing to take cut rate to maybe the detriment of the rest of those within the industry. It may be too early to call, though. I know Zach and Craig did on the coronavirus freight market update on Tuesday talking about signs of life. I think uh, what did Craig say? Maybe May 15th. He was looking at a target for a nice upswing here. Well, he was, they set the line, I think, at 9,300 on the outbound tender volume index, which uh, it would be an increase right now and a nice road to recovery for May 15th. I think Craig took the the over uh, and therefore Zach had to take the other side, the, the under. Both are hoping that Craig is right, obviously, and <clears throat> so is everybody else involved in the industry. Volumes coming back in the economy back online, right? But, the, you know, the, the, the argument came from... Or, or the discussion really came from what is the bottom, and and nobody's really saying, hey, we're at the bottom, but it does appear that we're bouncing along this relative bottom. Could it drop further? It absolutely could drop further, but with the hopes and the plans for reopening the economy, we have some states opening up now and some industries looking at automotive, I think is like May 4th or whatever it is, The you know there is hope that we'll do it. The bottom and the recovery depends on how well the, we come back online. Do we come back online and, and, and there isn't a resurgence and consumer sentiment and so on uh, has, a, has a good uptick and people get confident quickly? Uh, that, that, will, that will really determine what, what is going on, what, what, the, what the rebound looks like. And Catherine, the bottom won't be determined until afterwards, right? We'll figure out, oh, that was the bottom. Catherine Whitehouse Jones Express, she says, as a regional carrier doing mostly expedited runs, it's frustrating losing job after job due to the competition and the lowballing. How can a truck carrier make money at 85 cents per mile? And uh, I mean, she's right. If your cost to move a truck is a dollar twenty a mile or whatever it is, and if you're a good business person, you figure that out. It, uh, You can't operate in an environment where you're pulling loads to lose money. I mean, that's just not a great business proposition. 
Yeah, it's it's difficult. We, you, you have the kind of this feeding frenzy. Everybody's looking for these loads, right? Shippers know that they can jump out of the routing guide and go right to the spot market. Uh, so that I'm sure is occurring in some distant in some instances. But it's also, uh, you know, Dooner, it, we used to say it was the dumbest person, but it's really the most desperate person in a room is setting the price right now. And, and that's what keeps driving it down further and further. There's a great passport research article on our site. It's mapping Amazon's logistics platform. It's super interesting right now. We don't have time to cover it on this show, but if you go to FreightWaves.com, I highly recommend you check it out because right now we got to call a very special guest. It is Hope White. Let's dial her up. Oh, all right. Great. Yeah, Hope White, Chief Executive Officer, HD White Logistics. A great background with Home Depot in the past. Her, cur- her company currently lists companies like Kroger, et cetera, on uh, on their menu of services. Um, uh, Hope, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Hope. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having hey. me. So excited. Hey, Hope. Welcome. Mike Vincent here. How are you doing, Hope? I'm doing wonderful. Mike, I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm on go. Ooh, All right. Delicious. Uh, so introduce yourself and what's HD Logistics, HD White Logistics for people who may not be familiar. So, again, I'm Hope White, CEO of HD White Logistics. We are a third-party logistics provider out of McDonough, uh, south of Atlanta here. Uh, we've been in business about three years, uh, and we contract local owner operators for drive-in, reefer, and we are certified minority woman-owned. So, very excited to be in this market, even though of the current circumstances, but looking forward for us to uh, bottom down and come back up. Mm. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Obviously, you're a, a female leader in the supply chain, and you're very passionate about you know getting other young women uh, involved in the field. So, what would you tell them about the logistics profession? What would be your advice to them? So, I definitely want uh, women that's coming in the industry to leverage uh, different relationships uh, and certifications to help them uh, navigate the logistics world. We do know that this is a male dominant world, um, but females can thrive here strongly. Um, I use organizations such as WeBank um, and Georgia Minority Supply Diversity Council um, that has helped me open those doors uh, as far as getting great shippers and customers to leverage my um, diverse background in logistics. Hey, Hope, what do you make of this this big trucker versus broker battle that's been percolating about spot rates? It seems to me there's a lot of misconceptions that are built into some of these arguments. Brokers are getting blamed a lot for putting cheap freight on the spot market. Well, brokers are saying that shippers are, are, you know, are the ones that are offering these rates and their margins are staying the same and they're compressed as well. What do you make of all this? So I I definitely encourage everyone to educate themselves on the market. Me coming out of Home Depot supply chain. Um, doing my own research and keeping up with the, the data definitely tells a different story. I think everyone is piggybacking off of emotions, um, particularly between the brokers and the carriers. I encourage everyone to educate themselves on the market to understand why the rates are being affected for everyone across the board and not just necessarily one party. Um, for me coming from uh, Home Depot, you know that once something like Corona hit, that the market is affected from the supplier, say from China, you can't do anything but cut your rates. You can't keep offering your services at the same pricing. It's just not. It's just not financially feasible. Yeah, excellent. And with your experience there at, at Home Depot, uh, Hope, and and with grocers, can you shed a little light on their supply chain? Yeah. So my my, my background 
course, with logistics and transportation are responsible for carrier compliance and everything. And, and, and I've just been paying attention to everyone in supply chain, and they definitely have pivoted um, their services to definitely um, support the community um, and support, prioritize the shipment to, like, you know, first responders, hospitals, and healthcare. So I think as long as supply chain stays on that platform, everything will be great. Brenda Brown in the comments over here, she says, unless my unless my customers are specifically saying that I need to drop rates to keep the business, then I am keeping my rates fairly status quo, too, because they still expect the same service. Totally makes sense. However, uh, our hope, are you seeing a lot of customers asking for those rates to drop? I know industry wide we kind of are, but there's plenty of uh, there's 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 brokers and there's trucking companies, carriers with contracted freight and long term relationships that aren't suffering nearly as badly as those who are living off the spot market. Definitely, definitely. So we have two direct customers um, and that our rates have not changed. They have remained constant throughout coronavirus. Um, we have not, you know, they have not in fact have a, a major impact. Um, one of the other things that I think carriers or, or brokers can do is pivot their response to the community. Um, can I tell a story really quickly of something that we're doing? Do Absolutely. Mind? Okay, so one of the things that we did during coronavirus is that we pivoted to help our community. We support a local nonprofit here, Operation Lunchbox, um, and we wanted to get our customers involved. And so what we've been doing is providing truckload services to Operation Lunchbox who um, provides meals for 2,700 school-age kids here in the county, um, and we also support six other counties. So I think as long as brokers and carriers remain constant in pivoting those resources to support support their community, everybody will be great. There's one more comment here, and, and this one's pretty interesting. It's from Nick Crawley. He's the president at Diamond Freight Systems. And he says, good morning and happy Friday. I was offered an FTL 116-mile trip one way from Germantown, Wisconsin to Chicago, yeah. Illinois for $130 yesterday. He's starting to, he said he's starting to believe, and this is a sentiment we hear a lot, and that's a that's terrible rate, right? But he said he's starting right. he's starting to hear that he's starting to believe that brokers are taking advantage of this situation. But I think that there's more market forces at play here. Would you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. I really I really encourage that carrier to do your market research and understand the rates. All rates are not constant across the US. They are changing, they are dropping, but it's not due just it's just not a broker being asked. Now I'm not gonna be completely on just say, oh, all brokers are operating ethically. No, you have some brokers out here who are cutting rates, but I encourage you to do your research into your market and what's going on in your market area. Yeah, 100% agree with that. My, my yeah, that is great advice. <laughs> yeah, that is great please, advice. Please, please, pay, please pay attention to the commodities. Please get on some of these webinars that like FreightWaves offer and Sonar is operating. Understand how your suppliers market is moving right now in this time everything is not um constant nobody knows yeah. how this is going to play out yeah that, that's that is a great point that is a great point hope and you know like we uh Duner and i were talking about where is the bottom and and the overall uh, volume of freight in the united states etc what you said is understand your suppliers market so understand their vertical right. and understand their geographic market and what is going on there and you know the real-time data, like in Sonar, you can see that there are opportunities and there are hurdles. There are places to avoid where pricing is is really low, and there are opportunities there when you can make a decent wage for 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 a load. Correct. That is correct. 
Hope, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. We really appreciate it. And I was, I was very happy to get someone like you, your opinion on here about what's going on in the market, especially since you have that background in, in grocery and retail where some freight actually is moving. So uh, amazing stuff. How do people find out more about HD White? So they can find us at hdwhitelogistics.com or on, or on IG at Logistics, And then also you can find us on LinkedIn. I also do consulting and training for those that are interested in the industry or want to learn about how to understand the market and understand how this pricing is affecting everyone at hopewhiteconsulting.com. Thank you so much, Hope. We appreciate it. Wow. Thank you, Hope. You know, I, I wasn't surprised by what she said. She's She has a well-run company that, that's maintaining those relationships, taking that contract freight, not living off the spot market. Uh, DJ Jarvis, he's uh, he says, integrity trumps all. That's his tagline. It says, being on it, be honest. You do have brokers taking a big cut off the top. They need to be regulated by the government. Well, maybe, but if when you're putting things on a load board, right, you're, all the brokers are competing themselves, putting the loads up there. And if you put too much margin on there, you're going to be having some uh, unattractive loads, right, Michael? I mean, there's there's a market there that also regulates itself in its own way. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm not I, I'm not an advocate for government regulation, especially in this in this instance. You're right. The market actually dictates what's going on. And and it is they're putting up loads. And like you said, they put too much margin on there. They're not going to get the load. They're not going to get it. They're, they're just not going to do it. They have to sell it at a certain price and and therefore they have to purchase the capacity at a certain price. And, you know, those willing to sell or buy at specific prices set that market. We just happen to be in a really crappy market right now. Yeah, I mean, I've spent I've spent time doing sales at brokerages and it's pretty cutthroat and there's not a lot of collaboration oh, yeah. with other brokers. And there certainly isn't a ton of collusion with a ton of brokers trying to set these rates. Maybe the, like the ocean where there's a giant networks and a lot less carriers that might be a little bit different in terms of where rates stay and, and how, you know, the volatility there is quite a bit different than what we see in the trucking market. The trucking market, you're talking about a ton of brokers, a ton of carriers all competing to to get the freight. And unfortunately, some of them are going just below the uh, the the operative line. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Some of them are dropping line just to move just to move volume, just to keep it just to keep things moving or they're buying loads, if you will, to keep the operation, the operation moving. So they're driving down those prices. But you're absolutely right. There's no alliances of brokers like you see in, in maritime. Right. There, there aren't the three big alliances that are setting capacity levels, et cetera. I mean, Landstar said in their earnings, right, we're going to have to like the only way to to get to equilibrium. The, the sad truth really is, is that you have to park trucks because it's all based on capacity. And right now there's not enough freight. There's too many trucks. Um, let's talk to Nicole Full. So on Monday, yeah. I remember we talked to. We talked to uh, Eric Goodwin, Goodman from uh, BNSF. He was talking about getting coronavirus, recovering it, harrowing story, being in that coma. Oh, so yeah. now we're going to talk to Nicole Foles, Canadian driver. She also contracted the coronavirus. She is uh, recovering from it now. I think she's going to be released from the hospital in a day or two. She had a very tough journey as well. She's also doing helping out with that GoFundMe to get some PPE to drivers and all of those things. She was the LTL deliveries in the United States, right? We were going through that through that article. Yeah. Hey, Nicole, uh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, hey, Nicole. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much better, especially if you're comparing it to two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that makes me beg a question. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, and I, I know myself, it starts to get in your head. Do I have the coronavirus? Do I not? Can I taste? Can I smell? I think about six times a day. I just, I ask myself that as my own, like, <laughs> starting to get paranoid by this, but what did so? What did you first learn when you were ill? Like, how did you how did you start feeling? How did you notice you were coming down with something? 
Um, it started off with just like Steve. Like I was just kind of tired. Um, and then as I woke up Tuesday morning, um, same thing, just kind of tired, fatigued, started getting this weird cough and I just didn't really think much of it. Uh, cause you know, the, there's no way it's Corona. And then Wednesday morning I woke up sore throat and a really like nasty dry cough. And then that's when I was like, Oh no, like <laughs> this, this, this isn't good. And I still at that point was in denial, um, that it could be you no know, Corona. So I'd reached out to my employer and just kind of said, you know, this is how I'm feeling just cause if anything got worse, um, they were, they were kind of aware. So <laughs> yeah. And then it just went downhill from there. Um, I was fevered by wow. the end of the day. Um, I had shortness of breath by the end of the day. Uh, Thursday, I couldn't even have a conversation, like without saying four words, without having to stop talking and taking deep, hard breaths. So, yeah. So, was, so, so, so Nicole, Nicole, this is this is Michael. So, um, and it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us and, and going through this. And I think this this portion is kind of. Is, is kind of important. So that, that took like what I guess you're describing over the course of like, what about 24 to 48 hours? You went from a little bit fatigued to running out of breath speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think 48 hours before, um, the cough and starting to feel fevered and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't until Thursday that I actually confirmed that I had a fever when I was able to get a hold of a thermometer. But yeah, wow. about, about 48 hours. So you get to the right, hospital, so- you get to the hospital to get checked out. And, and what happens when you're there? Um, so when I, that was when I got back to Canada, um, I got to Toronto Saturday morning. They uh, listened to my lungs um, and took my temperature and said, like, we need to get you to the hospital. Um, so I went to the hospital. They uh, did a chest x-ray. They did blood cultures. I don't think I've ever had that much blood taken at one time in my life. Um, And then they did a swab for uh, coronavirus. And then I was there for a while. I had actually gone into like a panic attack at one point. Um, I was just stressed out about like blood needles already stressed me out. And I was hyperventilating. And then because I already was having a hard time getting enough like oxygen, um, I hyperventilated and couldn't breathe at all. Like couldn't get a breath, and that's when they had like put me on oxygen um, to try and help control my breathing again. And I spent most of the day there, and then came back to this uh, quarantine hotel I've been staying at. So that was kind of a wow. That's amazing. I I, I bet I would. I, I imagine I would have the the exact same reaction. I think I would go into a panic attack. I, I think I probably would have went into one on the second day of, of starting to confirm myself that I'm coming down with COVID just because you hear the horror stories, but, and so the recovery, Nicole, how is that, how's that going on right now? How are you feeling? What's the recovery like? Um, at this point, um, I'm feeling a lot better. Like I'm, I'm feeling more like myself, um, my body. Um, I have never experienced joint pain before. I couldn't even, I wouldn't have even known what joint pain was um, until this happened. Um, like I've had, my muscles hurt, but I mean my joints, like my knees, my elbows, my wrists, my ankles, my hips are all really sore. Um, like I can't stay 
in one position too long without something hurting. Um, so I'm kind of from the bed to a chair to walking and um, that's kind of where I'm at now. I've been able to keep the fever away for um, about a week now, just under a week. So this happened to you, Nicole, this happened to you when you were out on the road, right? And uh, you said there was a, a bit of a breakdown in government information. Can you elaborate on that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so, so the first thing I did once I started getting worried about this was um, I went online. It tells me to call the self-assessment. I called that. It says I was high risk to call public health, my regional public health unit. So um, I called my regional public health unit um, and explained my unique situation that, you know, I have already been isolating at my yard. Um, so I don't have a place to go. My dad is vulnerable. My family, you know, so I need a place to stay. Um, and I read online that if you don't have a safe place to go where you're not putting people in jeopardy that the government provides you one, well, they had no idea where any of these places were. Um, I had received, they gave me phone calls, called me back um, time after time. I tried other public health units to see if they had any other information. Um, yeah, no one was able to you know, tell me where these places were that the government was providing. Um, whereas if I called the Wednesday and got this information right away when I first called, my trip back would have been a hundred times easier, so much less stressful than, um, you know, the, the runaround that I went through. Wow. Wow. So, uh, Nicole, you, you have a GoFundMe uh, going on, uh, working on getting more masks and, and PPE to truckers. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Um, yeah, so I, a lot of it came from once I started feeling better, I needed to try and, you know, keep myself busy. Um, and I was realizing there are a lot of um, companies and stuff that are having a hard time um, getting this stuff out to people, especially like owner-operators and things like that. Um, and hand sanitizer, um, realizing the, the huge importance of hand sanitizer and how hard it is to get right now. Before all of this, I went through lots of hand sanitizer in my truck. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, just providing that at a, at a truck stop. Um, it's not, again, you read online that it's not necessarily about um, protecting yourself with a mask, but it's protecting other people. So if you were to fall ill on the road, you have something. Um, to, to protect others. Same thing with hand sanitizer. Um, we're not, we don't have sinks, you know, that we're constantly able to wash our hands at. So, yeah. Nicole, you said to have a plan in the article that I believe it was Nate Tabak who wrote our Canadian correspondent on FreightWaves.com. There's one or two f focused on you. I highly recommend readers go and read it. But before we let you go, what advice would you give to drivers who are out there right now putting themselves at risk? Um, <clears throat> at this point, I would, definitely suggest to, like I said, have a plan. And by that, I mean, um, know where you're going to stay. And if you don't know where you're going to stay, um, then reach out now to figure out what's available for truck drivers. Um, at this point, hopefully the government has taken a big step towards fixing the, the gap of information. And as far as I know, they have. Um, so that that's my biggest thing. Have, have the discussion with your carrier um, you know, what's, what's your plan if I, if one of our drivers gets sick. Um, but a lot of it's on you personally too, you know, that's your health. Um, make sure you know what you're going to do because I, I definitely lacked in that. Um, 
in that department. I knew that I was staying at the yard for a reason, but I didn't really, um, yeah, I didn't really have a plan past that. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you you never know until one of these things hit you and when you have an invisible enemy like the coronavirus, especially if you're one of the first in your community to get it and you don't have people around you to see as sort of living examples of being stricken by this disease, you may not take it as seriously, right? It's just something on TV. It's very easy to get disassociative. I think, I mean, look at all the arguments we're hearing right now with this whole trucker versus broker thing, when it's clear that it's what COVID-19 is what's hurting the marketplace now, but it's creating this big war between truckers and brokers and who's taking advantage of who in this in this situation. And it's a tough and it's a brutal one. And the, the sad reality of the situation is that this thing is still with us for now. Yeah, it's definitely, like I said before, it's, it's something no one's ever had to experience before, right? It's a learning curve for everyone at every level, whether it be the government, you know, us personally, the carriers, no one knows really what, what, what to do in this situation and everyone's trying to place blame where I don't think that's necessarily the right route to go. Um, we're all kind of in this learning curve together and um, all we can do is take the information of what we've learned and go forward from there. So thank you very much for joining us today, Nicole. We really yeah, appreciate you. you and Stephen Elliott says he's, uh, he's so glad you got treatment. Wow. Scary stuff. Thank you for the bravery to share your story. Nicole, we appreciate it too. Thank you so much for your time today. That was a uh, man. I, I it, it's tough hearing this thing, but I think one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to people like Aaron uh, to Eric and Nicole is to sort of show, to, to put some context to what's, not just like, what's going on in the market, what's happening with people and what's happening within our industry and our own people, our own brothers and sisters are getting stricken. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it, it really, uh, it's, it's really important to, like you mentioned, you, you get desensitized to it when it's, when it's just on TV and you really don't see a lot of these stories on TV and hear these things, these firsthand accounts of just how scary it can, it can be, you know, it, it, 13 days in an induced coma is, is scary enough, but also, you know, thousand miles away from home base and you start coming down with what you think is there or not. So, yeah. Hey, joining us on stuff. the joining us on the line now is Freight Waves president. It is the man of the hour. It is George Abernathy. George, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dooner. If I had a cowbell here, I would re- I would be reciprocal in my cowbell. How oh, you guys well, doing? How about I give you <laughs> one for Nicole too? Definitely. I don't know if you there just you heard her sharing her I story. Did. That was that was remarkable. That was really remarkable listening to her and and boy the you know even the last question you know what what do you suggest and you know, just the thoughtfulness and the you know the the challenge of what what does the driver do at this point it's really it's it's really quite compelling. George, yeah, it really is, George. You know, I mean, she's 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 in South Carolina and starts coming down with this stuff. She's got to make it all the way back up to Ontario, yeah. Canada, and doesn't have a plan. Uh, what do what do you do? And and plus, she, she's trying to deny it herself, as we all would at the onset. But then, you know, do I go? Don't I go? What what's happening to me? Uh, panic attack is is uh, she she mentioned. Well, I'd be in it in a heartbeat. George, oh, amen. George, the, the the story of the week on on our comments section uh, in the market in the comments right now during this show, there's brokers and truckers arguing with one another. What do you make of this whole debate between truckers versus brokers? Well, you know, there's definitely um, some folks who are taking advantage of the market. Um, you know, we are 
Yeah, we're we're in a, in a capitalistic society, but I, I guess I'd put it, guys, in this kind of context. Uh, and I, I, I'm thinking about you know locally, we had somebody here who had bought a huge amount of hand sanitizer and and wipes and was going to make money on them at an extraordinarily or exorbitant rate and and got and got called out on it. That to me, you know, there's certainly capitalism where you should see that the 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 market's going to provide what the market provides, but you you, you got to understand what it is the underlying element of the livelihood. And guys, I just think you're seeing circumstances that play themselves out. And you guys have both been in this long enough to know there are years when the carrier is advantaged. There's years where the shipper is advantaged. And to see during this time frame, where I think though, guys, it's a minority of the people within the the actual market uh, you know i've been talking to a ton of folks um a lot of uh, the preparations for our upcoming event talking to people a lot of people are talking to folks that are their competitors and are working together you see a lot of you know the beverage companies working together and and so you see i think the majority are doing it the right way but boy i you know i don't i I don't know what the outcome will be on the other side of the pandemic for the companies that are taking advantage right now, but I, but I, I would hope that there would be some amount of remembering who did it the right way during the pandemic. You'd absolutely hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, Thomas Smiley Jr., he's in our comment section. You can tell that he's worked on the brokerage side, and he kind of understands what goes on. And I'm not sure that everybody on the the trucking side, the the OOs, understand this. But brokers, they're in, in a lot of ways, they're sales and marketing arms for a lot of these carriers, right? And he's talking about how he says, say we quote a lane at $2 per mile uh, to the customer for argument's sake, and the customer comes back and says, I'm getting uh, – uh, 1100 for it. You're 838 higher than my best. Automatically, the shipper is going to blame the broker for trying to overextend it here. And the other market force at play is that a lot of these shippers aren't making that much money right now either. Absolutely. But I think you're, I think you're on it though. That the, you know, the broker is, if, if they're getting squeezed, if the carrier feels like they're getting squeezed, it's entirely possible that that broker is too. So the broker's living on that margin. I've done this for a long time. So, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, um, is very well written up when, when Freightways writes up things is, you know, hearing that there's some freight running at 70 or 80 cents a mile, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that may be the circumstance that's occurring because of produce season or something else is kicking in. That 70 or 80 cents a mile may sound like or maybe even less is going to be really problematic for the for that for that carrier on that particular load but the expectation would be and Michael you know this really well that, that they're going to put them into then a location where they're going to make their money on the next load so there's been backhaul and headhaul forever and what the brokers are having to deal with right now is how that's shifting so quickly when you have the entire market and when you see 95% of the outbound markets, you know, you know, going month over month down, the brokers are having to shift, uh, you know, just as quickly as those carriers are. And I think, I think you're going to see some that are taking advantage, but overall, it's really just the market reflecting what's going on out there 
right now in the transportation network. Couldn't agree with you more, George. Uh, you know, you you've got to you've got to be watching those fragmenting markets and know where your head haul back haul is and what market you're going yep. to. And is that seventy cents a fair price? Because it's going to take me into a an area and and make that that money up on the next leg or next two legs. And right. that's something that you play with through normal circumstances. It's even exactly. more important now to have that information. But um, so, George, suddenly from office everybody here the team to home um yeah what's your experience what you, what have you learned i'm sure enough to fill volumes but uh quickly <laughs> what, what what have you learned from this well i mean you know i i miss you guys i mean I, you know you're gonna make <laughs> me you're gonna make you're gonna make me tear up here i mean i you know i gotta get a little i gotta get a little you know a little dose of of you two but no in, in all seriousness i have been remarkably surprised at how well some companies, obviously some parts of uh, the industrial manufacturing and all that, there's, there's nothing that you could do. But in other cases, Freightways was not designed as a company to have everybody other than the, the television production, the television talent, everybody to be remote. And we have not missed a beat. And, you know, good for us on doing hiring the right way and the like. We're not a company that planned for people being remote, but I would say that companies that have been using tools effectively, whether they be Skype or Zoom or Google Hangouts or, or the Microsoft offering, that you need to do that. I, I, I just happened to, to get off a, a call with uh, nine of your compatriots on our revenue side, and I got to see every one of their bright and shining faces. We got to interact. If, if I didn't have that, I'd I, I really, really, really miss it. But I will say, I wonder, guys, I'm thinking about when we come on the backside of this, what, what's going to come back first? And I've asked this of my teens. I'm really interested. Will, will I travel to Chicago to help you know manage a customer, help close a deal before somebody in Chattanooga takes a flight to go to Disney world. Because what I'm figuring out is I can probably help to manage or close that business from here and save my company, the money, save the hassle, save the time, be more effective, but I can't bring Disney world to my house. So I, I'm, I think we're seeing a fundamental shift in the way that business is going to be done. And think about the, ramifications downstream to, I don't know, uh, Michael, think about the, the sales and operations things that we've had to do. What, what was that yield? It means hotel rooms. It means you're eating out. It means you're having to entertain people. So I think, I think you're going to see uh, significant parts of the economy, which are going to then be places where things are transported, recovering much, much more slowly than you might expect them to. Wow. All right. He's got his own call there. Uh, George, we really appreciate it. The next place everyone will see you is at Freight Waves Live at Home, which is May 5th through 7th. Um, can you give us a, a really quick tease on, on what we'll have and what you will have in store for the viewers of that of that uh, conference? Oh, I appreciate it. I will say, I, I, I think people are going to take them to a long time to recover. I think we're near the bottom. I really do. I think that you're seeing that, that, that we're really close to or at the bottom right now and that you're going to see... Um, consumers, even if you're staying at home, I think consumers are going to turn around. Freeway's live at home. I'm really excited about it, guys. 
I get to do industry keynotes with people like Derek Leathers. I get to do Wave, uh, who's the president and CEO at Werner. I get to, to have a Wave talk with Brooke Sutherland, who's the uh, industrial and M&A uh, columnist over at Bloomberg Opinion. Jordan Graff, the president at Triumph, say it's what I would surmise it with. And I know Emily has talked about it when you guys have, have, have talked. It is exactly what we have put on. And I know we overuse the phrase badass, but it is the most significant, most badass event in our space. And it has been each of the ones, all four for the last two years. That's what's coming to virtual. And it's going to be remarkable to have more than 25 companies doing demos in that virtual environment and being kept to the same parameters about having to do it with a live activity and keeping it to the seven minutes and the kind and quality of people, the, you know, the folks like Shelly Simpson as an industry keynote, um, you know, Ron Klain being, you know, the, the keynote, um, uh, around what's going on right now with, uh, with, with COVID-19. Uh, you know, my summary on it, guys, is um, we've had so much success at putting on and providing these opportunities for networking that we're going to be able to do through Slack channels and otherwise. I'm expecting post this that people will say, just like they did before, FreightWaves has reestablished how you do this kind of event if you're going to do it in a, in a, in a virtual environment. I agree, George. Thank you so much for your time. Everybody tune in to Freight Waves Live at Home, May 5th through 7th. George is going to have some great conversations. And George, we all hope to see you soon. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Be well. Take care. Thanks, George. Yeah, uh, great stuff. By the way, Jay Masters, he said, he brings up a really good point here. He said, all brokers are currently carrying a huge amount of risk from shippers not being able to pay us in the next 30 days. And that's true for everybody. That's that's true for every, everybody as partnerships, right? And you you don't know who's on the line, who's going to be going out of business. And if you that's have right. those 30 that cash. And there's a lot of companies, too, that are asking for extensions on payment terms, which, you know, in good times that... Yeah, yeah. I think people think there's more margins in a lot of these tr these transportation companies that there are, and when payment terms get expended, that can be that can put a lot of down pressure on on many of these companies. Now, uh, I, I I don't know what what do you make of all that? Make of uh, the the whole broker and well the and payment shipper? aspect of it because he brings up a great point here. Uh, well, he he does bring up a great point, and you can see it as well as you know when we were talking to Greg Miller in the in the in the uh, uh, maritime space in the blank sailings, is is you've got specific carriers uh, not accepting orders that are out longer than uh, six weeks because they can't count on those orders being there, and so they're cutting their capacity regardless of what the orders are right now six weeks out. You know they because, because of that fact. The bad news is that all this is going on. The bad news is that truckers are upset with brokers and, and, and everybody's getting hurt by this market. The good news is that at FreightWaves Live at Home, we're going to be bringing all of these parties together so they can have these conversations. Now, a lot of times I go to conferences, right? And, you know, it's it's a calm world. The, the, seas, the seas are calm. Even in a volatile business, it's kind of calm. So a lot of the presentations you hear from people, not necessarily at FreightWaves events, but just in general at conferences are kind of, you know, generic, a lot of marketing terms, a lot of adjectives. But now there's some real conversations as we all band together and fight this global pandemic. The bad news and good news. Speaking of bad news, 
Oh. There you go. <laughs> Bad news, Vincent. Automaker sales forecasts are down by millions of units, right? Who's going out to buy a car right now? Not many. Not me. If you're in the Not market me. for a new car, you're going to find that many dealers, though, are offering incredible incentives like zero interest loans, upgraded packages, and all that. They're also moving more of their sales than ever online tracking service dealer tracks so that as of mid-April, electronic transactions were, get this, uh, up 65% year over year from where they were in 2019. But I got to say this, never, never have I gotten less value out of my car than during this pandemic. So I'm in no rush to go out and get a new car. Uh, I'd rather offload one, to be honest with you. And uh, I think I'll hold out for my Cybertruck in 2021. Really? Even the discounts are, are you going to stick with that cyber truck? Of course. <laughs> You've loved that thing from the very, very I'm beginning. I'm stuck in a lease anyway. I'm stuck in a lease anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. All right. All right. There, there, now the truth comes out, right? <laughs> so good news. Another round of uh, PPP or Paycheck Protection Program has been agreed upon. The package includes $321 billion for the PPP, right? That's mm-hmm. awesome, dude. Right? <laughs> I, so, yeah, well, I, I, I think the but the problem is how do you get it, and hopefully it goes to the right place, right? Get your stuff together and get in line. Todd Emmon, president of advisory firm ATBS, on what trucking companies and independent co uh, owners or owner operators can do to prepare for this phase. Basically, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't count on one bank to help you navigate through this water. You gotta you gotta look for for many outlets. First come, first serve. Biggest loans get the most attention. Squeaky wheel gets the grease type of thing. Don't count on one bank to help you with that loan. You got to get out and get it, and get it done, right? So let's hope it gets to the right places and people can navigate this. Isn't that one of the problems with it, though? I mean, isn't one of the problems that you have to have some sort of banking relationship to get one of these things? Who has the better banking relationships? The bigger companies, right? Because they can leverage things just like anything. And it's yeah. it's unfortunate that these aren't designed a little bit better so they get in the, the hands they need. I know that... um. And I'm not necessarily criticizing this, but Nick, Nicola got, I think, $4 million, right? And I know that Trevor Milton took a lot of heat online for for that one. Because I think that the feeling amongst especially small business owners is that it's not like the billion dollar or the multi-hundred million dollar companies that should be getting these things first. It, and also, like, do we need to be going every week and giving out? I mean, when does the money run out? How do we keep giving out 300, 400 billions, trillions into the stock market? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not an economist. Anthony Smith would know better than I would. But it does. It seems precarious, right? Yeah, oh yeah, and I, I think any economist would agree, and and Anthony certainly, you can't just keep printing money because that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right. The difficult part is the people who need it the most have the least knowledge and the least uh, and the, and the most difficult path to get the money. So how do you fix that? Well, uh, hopefully we learn from this, and hopefully we'll learn how to do it right, and hopefully we'll never need to do it again. Here's some good news. Let's put some sunshine in your life. There's going to be a new Jackass film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the problem is though the problem is it's Woo-hoo! been it's been postponed until summer of 2020 2021 are you a fan of the the jackass franchise dude you know I, I i enjoyed it for a little bit until i came to the realization that i'm really grateful that when i was a jack uh when i was uh <laughs> younger yeah <laughs> social media cell phones and stuff were not there to document my own stupidity so uh but yeah i enjoy them they're they're funny yeah, I, I just hope it doesn't cause like a rash of of just injuries amongst teenagers trying to go extreme Don't with their attempt. TikToks or something. Do not attempt to dress like Dooner at home. Don't do it. Or out, <laughs> out in public. I'm at home now, so I can dress like this. I don't have to worry about bottles getting thrown at me. <laughs> yeah. But maybe I would in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. Hey, 
So, uh, Carolyn Goodman, I don't know if you heard this news or saw the saw the interview. Uh, <laughs> I did. It was, uh, it was... She, she is she's ready to open up the entertainment capital of the world. Dude, did you see this? I I watched the interview. Yeah, and I was I was astounded and almost it almost seemed like a political parody or something. Like, I don't know. Like, is this real life? <laughs> I think I referenced it and you went and looked it up and said, I thought this was a joke. No, it, it was it was real. So some quotes uh, from uh, Carolyn Goodman. I'd love everything open because I think we've had viruses for years that have been here. Well, so we're covered up with viruses. Come okay. on out. We're open. <laughs> Thanks it's for letting the, us know, Carolyn. the entertainment capital of the world, but the virus capital of the world. Entertainment capital of the world where everything is clean. Vegas is spotless. It has been desanitized, <laughs> and uh, they're ready to go. Let's talk about Vegas. Um, <laughs> and the other, uh, well, first of all, as someone who's pretty sure she possibly had it in January, I have already been to the hospitals to say, take my plasma, please take it. It's like a uh, Henny Youngman thing. Take my wife, please. So she's like, she's patient zero. Is that what she's saying? She's like the first she's person patient, in America to get zero. coronavirus? Patient zero. Patient zero. And, and she has offered up the, uh, as she said, uh, 2.3 million strong residents of, of Las Vegas to be the control group. Yeah, but here's the problem. Like, if they open up, people travel there, then they're going to leave and go other places because most of the people coming to Vegas aren't from there. So you're creating this ink. No, 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 no. Wait, wait a minute. Dude. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me, Diener. Um, it's the entertainment capital of the world where everything is clean. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. And it's it's warm and there's sunlight there. And if you get it, maybe you could just inject yourself with disinfectant. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. All right, man, let's hear back from uh, let's let's hear from the people who visit FreightWaves.com in our comment section. Let's do it. Comment section rodeo. All right, this is from the article. Tight capacity will drive year end snapback in trucking markets, according to ATIA economist. Joe says. Good luck with that prediction. Snapback? Nope. It's going to be a very long process. I'm a shipper, and I'm enjoying this. We are always the ones paying. What comes around, goes around. That's not a, yeah. not a great attitude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a great uh, attitude, and I'm not sure that the carriers would agree that the shippers are the, one, only, the ones that are always paying. Uh, <laughs> so Dave says, well, learn this business, please, so it, it at least appears you know what you're talking about. You obviously don't. Hmm. It's not that the contract guys stop accepting every tender and dump business on the spot market, as you say. What actually happens is when the spot rate falls and uh, falls enough that sh- the shippers and brokers stop tendering loads to the contract carriers and chase the lower rates in the spot market to save money. Why pay your contract carriers a rate of two twenty five when you can go to the spot market and pay a buck twenty five? Contracts mean nothing to a shipper or broker when dealing with a carrier if spot rates fall due to load volumes. Also, you say rates will snap back again. Not true. If all those parked c- trucks come back onto the market as the volumes and rates rise, this always happens after recession. This keeps a lid on rates going up and is usually a one to three year process to see rates meaningfully increase. We live this life and see it unfold every day of our life. I, I mean, I don't I don't know if I agree with the one to three year process. Again, it's very volume dependent. 
if things go yeah. back online, people are like, great, I want to get all the crap I was intending to get, but I was stuck in quarantine. Then we're going to see a ton of rate volumes. People go start buying cars. We start getting all these things because what's happening now is so much of it's getting shut down. And we're hearing about plant shuts down. You're seeing automobiles. Nobody's moving automobiles right now. The OEM shuts down. All that stuff affects the economy bigly. Yeah, bigly. You're you're exactly right. He, yeah, I don't know about the the one to three year as well, but he makes some points in here. I mean, some of those points are well taken, but it all leads back to the 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 dumbest person in the room sets the rate. So if somebody's going to accept that buck twenty five, that's what the rate is. It's not going to be two twenty five. It's the competition that sets that sets those rates, and some are going to take advantage of it, and some aren't. We got to put that on the back of our next what the truck T shirt. The dumbest person in the room sets the rates. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this yeah, is from, exactly from the article Landstar saw market deteriorate in last week of quarter. No Q2 guidance. Franklin says Landstar has cut rates dramatically for drivers in order to cover their losses. Their bottom line is so much more important than the drivers who have to haul the loads. You sounded exactly like him, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Alan says you don't know how how it works at Landstar. Why would you make an assumption that the rates have been cut? Landstar doesn't make money if loads aren't moved. Landstar doesn't make the rates. <sighs> I mean, I, I, okay. and that's one of the things I think that you and I, you and I know have from having worked at brokerages that <laughs> this is true. Shipper says, I want to pay X amount, right? And you yes. go to them and you go, okay, I got a quote. And they will say, okay, that's not competitive. And this isn't that crappy business. I hated transactional business. It was the worst. It was the hardest customers. You were chasing rates downward. There's nothing good. So my biggest advice to a lot of the owner operators, brokers out there, make some relationships with your shippers too. So you're staying within that contract market and not exposing yourself. I mean, if anything, this should teach you is don't be so exposed to the spot market because this is what can happen. And we also, like everyone, just out, have a little empathy for, for your other partners in the supply chain because you got to understand that, yes, there are some bad apples, but at the same time, there is a global pandemic going on. It's not like this is happening uh, and nothing else is going on outside. We can't be completely tone deaf to what's going on. No, you, you absolutely can't. And you're, you're, you're certainly right. Stay closer, stay closer to those relationships. So you're not jumping out in that smart market all the time. Cause oftentimes what people don't realize is that these brokers are selling the capacity to these shippers before they've even bought it and hoping they didn't lose their ass on that transaction. They just agreed to Stephen Joseph That's- says even direct shipper customers are going to the spot market because ignorant carriers will haul it at least at less than half of the average carrier's cost per mile. Desperate carriers who probably have to factor their invoices already and know it won't be long before they have to break down. They can't afford to repair. Then after a loan, something else will happen and they'll close the doors. It's been happening this way ever since deregulation. No one needs to know how much it costs them to operate before getting their authority, which is why there is so much churn and burn in the industry. A full 75% of carriers with new authority will not be operating two years later. Yet in the meantime, they destroy the market for the others until the load of trucks ratio exceeds 10 to 1 before we we get that rate stabilization. <laughs> wow. So we're going to change it now from not the, the, it's the ignorant, the ignorance at the price. Oh, it's someone. <laughs> <laughs> is what that is. So what are we here from the article? Is the freight market ready for a rebound? Michael says, 
I can't tell you how many times drivers think that it's so easy to get these rates from the customer shippers. It's not like that at all. These days, the customers are trying to get their transportation costs down as low as possible, especially especially if they have regular freight. Just like there are a ton of drivers trying to get freight from agents brokers, there are also a lot of agents brokers trying to get it from the customer. There's no solution. Everyone is trying to make a living and dollars to do the things they need to do. Some are good with driving a Honda and others want a mercedes benz it's just hard right now for everyone yeah yeah Fred, not a bad recap actually no it's, it's not and, and I, I i appreciate what he said there and we try to represent a lot of the different opinions that people have on the comment section so that there's some contrast between things fred marcher sure he says uh it seems that brokers are getting the blame for something that is not entirely their fault i've worked four years as a company driver another 15 as an owner operator and 20 years as an independent sales agent for not only brokers but directly for carriers so this is the ugly truth Anyone that accepts cheap freight is a large part of the problem, brother. If I'm a broker, say I have a load that a shipper is willing to pay $1,500 for and the market rate is $2,000, nobody is going to put a gun to your head and tell you to take that load or else. (laughs) Possibly one of your best and most spot on. Uh, what did I Calvin lo- have to I lo- say? I love your imitations, brother. <laughs> I try to put some voice to these people, right? Because we don't actually get to hear their voice. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Take us home with Calvin at the bottom there. Uh, well, you want me to grab Calvin here at the bottom? Yeah. All right, Calvin, this is our last one we're doing, and then we got to wrap this up. This is pure costing economics. I read on the FreightWave spot markets on freight lanes. Freight lanes yesterday were $1.39 for national and $1.27 for the south. Last time I checked my cost per mile before taking my depreciation check and paying myself was at $1.26 per mile. That is based on 70K reefer trailer and $165,000 sleeper <laughs> sleeper truck. Why, <laughs> why are you all taking loads that pay below your cost per mile, which is exactly it? Yeah, I mean, that's brutal. And I guess it, it makes that tough decision where do you park trucks or not park trucks? But, you know, I, I don't work to not make money and I certainly don't work to lose money. So it's just something in your operations. You also have to understand your cost per mile before you take these loads off the load boards. I mean... Yeah, that's the business. I mean, I don't know what else to say on that aspect here. Uh, so to sum it up, I don't know who won the battle, brokers or truckers or, do, do, you know, and we, we got to call it a draw and work together. Yeah, I, I think we got to call it a draw and work together. Everybody's losing right now. Just trying to hang in there, man. Let's try and work together and get through this. Yeah, like that, like that inspirational cat gif hanging from the tree or Carol Baskin. Just hang in there. You can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Duner. You can follow him at Vincent the Dude. Continue the conversation with us live. Thank you everyone in the comment sections. Abby, Hederman, Thomas Smiley Jr., Hope White, Mizra Dukic, Thomas Smiley, Jake McLeod, Brenda Brown, Mark McCabe, Jay Masters, Stephen Elliott, Hope White, Nicole Foles, George Abernathy, Eric Serta, and all of you who tuned in with us today and are navigating these tough times. We really appreciate you joining us on this show that we call What the Truck. Catch you Monday, noon Eastern time, right here. Same bad time, same bad channel.